Wasn't that great hearing Sam praise God? Wasn't that brilliant? It's fantastic. Out of the mouth of babes and all that, that's great to see someone just totally lost in praising God. It's great. You can learn lots from little children. The movie Catch Me If You Can, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks, told the amazing true story of a teenager called Frank Abagnale, who in 1960s America managed to con many, many people into believing that he was something that he wasn't. And this is uh, DiCaprio playing uh, Frank Abagnale uh, as a a picture from the movie. Firstly, he began successfully impersonating a Pan Am airline pilot, and he banked... uh, fraudulently banked loads of payroll checks for being a pilot that he never was. And then he began successfully impersonating a doctor and then also a lawyer. And a fantastic career, you might say. He was eventually caught by the FBI. In the movie, Tom Hanks plays the uh, FBI agent who tracks him down and eventually gets his man. And after serving time for fraud, he ended up being employed by the FBI to help them find other crooks. And he now makes an absolute fortune Uh, designing checks that can't be um, defrauded or can't be uh, uh, manipulated. An amazing story. Uh, It's a good movie. You'll enjoy the movie if you get a chance to watch it. But when people are doing important things, it's vital that their identity is genuine, isn't it? Nobody wants to be operated on if you're in hospital by a doctor who's a fake. Nobody wants to be on a plane and discover that the pilot flying it isn't actually a qualified pilot. Nobody wants that. And if you're operated on by a fake doctor, then the results could be fatal. Or if you had something seriously wrong with you and you went to a doctor and asked them to diagnose you and they misdiagnosed that, then then the results really could be fatal. But, you know, our spiritual life and our spiritual health is even more important than our physical life and our physical health. Our physical life and health is really important, but our spiritual life is even more important. If those who are leading churches and are preaching and are teaching from the Bible are fakes, then it could lead to people ultimately believing the wrong thing. And ultimately, if people aren't given the right information, the right and true information about Jesus and about how to get right with God and how to have eternal life, then it could affect and will affect their eternal destiny, as well as causing them all sorts of problems in this life. Jesus warns about those, or he warns those that have trusted in him and who are following him about being careful and watching out for fakes in church life. If those who lead and preach and teach in church life are fakes, then the potential, the potential impact in this life and in the life to come is really, really serious. Hugely important. And this is what Jesus teaches in the passage that we're going to be looking at today. We're working our way through the Sermon on the Mount, which was a a sermon that Jesus taught. And we're going to see uh, in this package of teaching that Jesus gave to those who'd begun to follow him that he was telling them how to firstly enter God's kingdom. And then as those who entered God's kingdom, how to behave and how to live in God's kingdom. And in today's passage, he warns those that have become part of God's kingdom that not everybody who claims to be part of God's kingdom really is. There's going to be some fakes, and we need to watch out for fakes. Let's read from Matthew 7, Matthew 7, 15 to 23. We're almost at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus says this, Matthew chapter 7, we're going to read from verse 15 to 23. You can read along, or you can just listen if that's easier for you. So Matthew 7, verse 15, Jesus says this, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. 
A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Jesus says to those who've surrendered their lives to him, who've made him their king, who've become part of God's kingdom, he says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Jesus says that there's going to be people who will claim to be Christians, they'll profess to be followers of Jesus, they'll pretend to be, or they'll look as though they're sheep, sheep in this kind of imagery are Christians, but actually they are wolves who are out to eat the sheep. Not everybody who claims to be a Christian really is. Not every Christian leader is truly a Christian. Some are fakes. Prophets in the Bible are those that bring God's message to God's people. And Jesus says that there'll be people who are prophets who, or claim to be prophets who are claiming to speak on God's behalf who are fakes. Why are they dangerous? Why does Jesus call them ferocious wolves? Well, because the outcome of their behavior will be every bit as dangerous as having a hungry wolf amidst a flock of sheep. If somebody claims to be speaking on God's behalf when they're not, then they're misrepresenting God and they're misrepresenting what God says. And that can mean that if people listen to them, they will either start to behave in ways which are wrong and find themselves tangled up in all sorts of damaging and wrong behavior, or they'll believe wrong things about God himself, which could mean that they miss out on the offer of a relationship with God and ultimately of eternal life. See, if a preacher says, for instance, that you know, God is love and, and, and God loves everybody, and because God loves everybody, that means everyone's going to heaven, and I've heard some preachers say that, and if people, if people listen to that and believe that, they'll be misled, and they won't go to heaven, because that's not true. That's not what the Bible teaches, despite the fact that many uh, preachers and teachers out there do say that. God is love. God does love everybody, but God also hates sin. And so unless we turn away from our sin, what the Bible calls repentance, unless we come to Jesus and ask him to forgive us and surrender our lives to him, then we won't be able to get right with God. We won't be able to go to heaven. We'll spend eternity in what the Bible calls hell instead. And this is why this is so serious. False prophets, false leaders, fake Bible teachers are incredibly dangerous. And yes, we've got to be strive for church unity and be as unified as we can be with as many churches as we can be. But we have to draw certain lines and say when someone is a fake, when they're misrepresenting God, when they're misrepresenting who Jesus is, when they're misrepresenting the way to get right with God, we have to say no. They're fakes. It's incredibly dangerous. People's eternal destiny is at stake. And that's why Jesus warns us about this. The Apostle Peter, who was one of the guys who was listening to Jesus, listening to these words, he says something similar years later as he writes his second letter. This is what he writes. There'll be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. The Apostle Paul also experienced similar problems. People claiming to be Christians 
and working their ways into positions of leadership and influence. Some of them were claiming to be apostles. The apostles were the early key Christian leaders, and some people had had risen up and said, we're also apostles, yet at the same time, they were fakes. This is what he says. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising, then, if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. So not everything that looks genuine and authentic on the outside really is. There's going to be false prophets, false teachers, false apostles who try to lead people astray. And once they've got their feet under the table and people are beginning to listen to them and they've built a following and they've built reputation and respectability, then their fruit will become evident. They will begin to say and teach wrong things about God and wrong things about how to live for God and wrong things about how to get right with God. Paul says something similar to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 verse 1. He says, The Spirit clearly says, it's the Holy Spirit, that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. So these people, be they false prophets, false Bible teachers, false apostles, false church leaders, they're actually doing the work of Satan. When people abandon the true faith of Christianity, as taught in the Bible, it's because the power at work in those false prophets and false teachers and false leaders is actually demonic. That's the root of what is behind them. And sadly, throughout church history, there have been many people who claim to be Christians, who've risen in prominence to influential positions, all the while looking genuine, looking like a sheep, And then they begin to teach and do things that are wrong. And many, many people get deceived and follow them and find themselves in all sorts of problems. And the work of the church is then significantly damaged. Churches are split. People turn away from God. And people, more importantly, are led astray from the truth, often with eternal consequences because they believe the wrong things about how to get right with God. And it's a bit scary, really, isn't it? That someone could join this church and over time rise in prominence and influence, and then begin teaching and saying things that were wrong. Lots and lots of people could be led astray by them, either into wrong behavior, or in the case of non-Christians, be given wrong information about how to get right with God and how to have eternal life. So what do we do? What is Jesus' advice? How can we protect ourselves? How can we protect our church from this kind of thing happening? Well, look at verse 16. Jesus says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? And the thorn bush that Jesus were, was referring to, there's a picture of it here, was the buckthorn, and it had little black berries, which from a, a distance could be mistaken for grapes. And there was a thistle whose flower from a distance might be mistaken for a fig. But nobody would confuse the buckthorn and the grape once they started to use the fruit to try and make wine. And nobody would mistake the thistle flowers for a fig when they came to try and eat it. False prophets, false Bible teachers, false Christian leaders look like the real thing, perhaps from a distance, and even as we get up close to them, and for a while, they look like the real thing, and even what they do and say, their fruit might appear genuine at first, but the true nature of the person can't be hidden forever. That's effectively what Jesus is saying. Sooner or later, they will be seen for what they are, either in the teaching that they give or the lifestyle that they begin to lead. By their fruit, Jesus says, 
you will recognize them. By their fruit, you will recognize them. And Jesus continues and says, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Apple trees produce apples. And so it is in a Christian context. As a person is a genuine Christian, then over time, what they say and do will prove it. Apple trees produce apples. Genuine Christians produce a lifestyle that is like Jesus. It's living on what Jesus calls the narrow way instead of the broad way. It's what we looked at last week. Those two kind of lifestyles. The fruit, the kind of fruit, the kind of lifestyle that Jesus is talking about, just as a tree produces a physical fruit, so a genuine Christian will produce not obviously physical fruit, but a lifestyle that is genuine and authentic. And that lifestyle, that narrow way, that fruit that Jesus is talking about is about both teaching the narrow way and living the narrow way. And you could sum up that narrow way, it's the entire Sermon on the Mount that we've been looking at. What does that fruit look like? Well, if we kind of run through chronologically through the Sermon on the Mount, it's, it's loving others, even when they're our enemies. It's rooting out sin in our lives. It's saying no to sexual temptation. It's being faithful to our husband or our wife. It's, it's being truthful and having integrity. It's not seeking revenge. It's giving to those who are in need. It's not being a hypocrite. It's being a person of prayer. It's about serving God rather than money. They are the, the themes that we've traced right the way through this Sermon on the Mount. These are the things that Jesus has taught about in this great sermon. Those who are part of God's kingdom are meant to live this way. If they're authentically, genuinely Christians, they will, to some degree or other, live like this. They're meant to produce this kind of what Jesus calls fruit. Whereas the false teacher, the false prophet, the false leader will will do two things. He'll teach firstly that we don't need to live according to Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, to some degree or other. And he'll teach that we don't need to follow the rest of the Bible. He'll start saying things, and if you you kind of hear uh, expressions like, well, it's just cultural, we don't have to do that today, or we're not meant to take the Bible too literally. They're the kind of phrases that you'll hear. Sometimes that's genuine, sometimes that that has a place. But if we start hearing those kind of phrases, we need to have some warning bells going off in our heads. Sometimes it'll be blatant, and at other times it'll be very subtle. But not only will the false prophet or teacher or leader fail to teach the truth or or twist the truth in some way or other, but they'll also eventually begin to fail to live it out in their own life. And if you look at false teachers, false prophets, false apostles, whatever you want to call them in church history, generally, uh, along with false teaching, there often is some kind of failure in morality in their life. That often happens when the the kind of curtains come down and, and all is seen in their life. They start out well, they look as if they're the genuine thing, people flock to them, they become a big name, And sadly, sometimes their real teaching begins to uh, come out and their real lifestyle begins to come out. It's by a person's fruit, Jesus is saying, what they teach and how they behave that we will recognize whether or not a person is genuine. And sometimes that might take a long time because we need to get close to that person, just like we need to get close to the real fruit and discover whether it's authentic or not. So... Firstly, this, write this down on your outline. Not every prophet, teacher, leader, whatever their role, not every Christian leader of influence is genuine. That might come as a bit of a shock to some of us, but this is true. This is what Jesus is saying. Not every Christian prophet, teacher, leader is genuine. We need to test 
and assess. We need to be alert. We need to be, as individual Christians, testing and assessing what people are saying and how they're living. Are they teaching and living the narrow way? Now, this is different, isn't it? A few weeks ago, we said that we shouldn't be finger-pointing and judging. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. This is about healthily testing and assessing what people say and what they do. Are they living? Are they teaching the narrow way? And this isn't just the job of the church leadership. This isn't just the role of the church elders to do this. Every single one of us should be engaged in actively assessing and testing whether what people are saying is true and biblical. I sometimes get a little bit worried and, and, and quite frankly depressed when I hear Christians say, oh, well, you know, that's a kind of bit above me. I'm not sure. I, I don't feel qualified to, you know, to assess this, that, or the other. Every one of us is qualified to test and assess. We just need to engage our brains and read the Bible lots. We don't need to be at Bible college. We don't need to have a theology degree. We don't need to be a certain level in church or anything like that. None of that's in the Bible anyway. We just need to be engaging our brains with the Scriptures and testing and assessing what we see and what we hear. Just because I say something up here at the front, it doesn't mean it's true. Test what I say. Assess what I say. Test my lifestyle. Test my behavior. Just because the other elders teach something or say something, just because the others who teach in this church, Stuart, uh, uh, Joel, or, or Rob, or some of the visiting speakers we have, just because people say something up here, it doesn't mean it's true. Test it. Test it against the scriptures. Assess it. Now, we hope that you can trust those who are up here. We work hard at that. But never take something at face value. Test it and assess it. Take, test it against the Scriptures. Is this what the Bible says? Please don't be passive and sit and accept everything that the elders say or everything that's taught from this pulpit. Test it against the Bible. Assess what is said. And if you don't agree with what is said, not because you just don't agree with it, but because the Bible says something different, then come and speak to one of us. Not nicely, though, but... Come and speak to us and say, Andy, you said that this morning. I've read this verse in, in, in wherever. Why is that different? Or, or I don't agree with that. Then come and, come and say that. Come and do that. Because we have a duty. We have a role of, it's a great responsibility standing up here at the front and, t- and teaching. We need to hold each other to account. And we want to be a church that's known that everything that does come from this place can be relied upon. But that means everybody testing and assessing. Don't believe everything you hear, not just from here, but from Christian books, Christian media, other preachers, TV channels. It's amazing the the naivety that many Christians have. The moment somebody professing to be Christian on a Christian radio station or on a Christian TV station or a Christian book, the moment someone says something, they switch their brains off and just begin to accept everything that's said to them. Jesus is saying that not everybody will be genuine. Not everything that is said will be genuine. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't accept everything you read in Christian books or on Christian TV. Test and assess everything. Watch out for fakes. But the elders of a church do have a special responsibility to prevent false prophets and teachers and leaders getting into a church and leading it astray. The Apostle Paul said this to the elders of the church in Ephesus on his last visit to them in Acts 20. This is what he said. I know that after I leave, Savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to uh, draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. 
Paul warns the elders at Ephesus, and by implication all elders throughout church history, that savage wolves will come in from the outside. But there'll also be some who will rise up from within. Men who will distort the truth, twist what the Bible says, and they'll draw people away from the truth, and in, and in doing so will damage people's lives and wreck churches. And so part of the role of the elders of a local church is to guard and protect the flock. Write that on your outline. Part of the role of church elders is to guard and protect the flock. And as the elders here, Keith, Paul, and I, we would, we would crave your prayers that we would have the wisdom and discernment and biblical knowledge to be able to guard and protect this flock. One of the roles of church elders is to shoot the wolves, but look after the sheep. We've got to watch out for wolves and deal with them so that the sheep, the church members, are safe. So how can we ensure that whether we're elders or church members, we're not personally fooled and led astray and devoured, as Jesus says, by these, fa- these false prophets and teachers and leaders. And how can we all, and especially the elders of a church, guard and protect the flock? This isn't just the job of the elders. It's the job of all of us to guard and look out for each other. How can we guard and protect the flock? Well, apart from praying for wisdom and being sensitive to the leading and discernment of the Holy Spirit, which is absolutely, of course, necessary, we also need to ensure that we know what the truth is. We need to know what the truth is ourselves. Don't leave it up to some sort of select group of uh, Bible teachers or the elders or people with theology degrees or anything like that. That's not the idea in the Bible. Every single one of us should know our Bibles really well. Every single one of us. We might not be Bible teachers, but we all ought to be able to handle the Bible well. We ought to know what's in it. If you know the real thing, then you can spot a fake. You know, when banks train people who handle cash, they don't train them to spot the fakes because the fakes are changing all the time. What they do is they train them to spot the authentic real banknotes because if you know what is real, then you'll be able to spot the fake. The fake will jump out very quickly. And the same is true in church. Look at what Paul says to Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. If we're studying the Bible for ourselves and we get to know what it says and what it teaches, then when somebody else tries to twist it or distort it, we'll be more likely to spot it. Whether it's a book we're reading, whether it's something we watch on TV, whether it's somebody here or somebody else we encounter, if we know the truth really well, then if they start saying something that is leading people away, then hang on a second, I don't think that's right. I'm, I'm sure I've read something different. The more we find out from the Bible about what God wants of those who are in his kingdom, and the more we're obedient to God and living out that narrow way, the more obvious it will be to us when somebody else isn't living like that and when somebody isn't teaching what the Bible says. Their fruit, what they teach, and how they live will be seen for what it really is. So we need to guard and protect ourselves, and the best way you can do that is study the Bible. The best way we can do that is to study the Bible to get into the Bible, to get into the Word of God so that we know, so that we are workmen and women who correctly handle the Word of truth, so that we can guard against fakes, we can can guard against falsehood, we can guard against error. And not only will this protect us from being led astray and and devoured by the wolves, it will also help us or, or prevent us from unwittingly leading others astray ourselves. And it's really important, you know, that if we're in a position of leadership or influence in church life, that we make sure that we are living out the truth in our lives. 
but also that we're not teaching the wrong things to people who look to us. Now, that's not just those who are elders or those who are Bible teachers. There's lots of people in this church who are in positions of influence. If you're a Sunday school teacher, if you uh, are a helper at FX or at Friday Frenzy on a Friday night, there's a whole group of people who look to you and will listen and take notice of what you say. If you're a worship leader, if you're a chairman on a Sunday, if you're doing Bible studies with somebody, either with a a non-Christian or a new Christian, people are listening, they're watching, they're, they're wanting to know what you've got to say. And so when we do that, when we're in those positions, we need to make sure that we correctly handle the word of truth. There's a massive responsibility on us, those of us who teach others, at, at whatever level that's taking place. We need to make sure, whoever the people are that we're teaching, whatever age they are, whether they're five-year-olds or 55 or anything in between or above, there's a massive responsibility on those of us who teach. uh, James, the brother of Jesus, says this, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. That's a sobering verse, isn't it? So we need to make sure that our own lives are both living examples of what it looks like to be on the narrow road, but we also need to make sure that we're correctly handling the word of truth, the Bible, so that we're teaching what the Bible actually says. Look at what Jesus says next. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Not everybody who thinks they're a Christian really is. That's what Jesus is saying. People can think they're Christians. They can be heavily involved in a local church, yet they've never actually been born again. They've never really surrendered their lives to Jesus. They have all the right external behavior. They say the right things. They do the right things. But inwardly, they've never truly been changed They've never really been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what Jesus has been saying, really, all the way through the Sermon on the Mount, that following Jesus isn't about external, outward conformity. It's not about box ticking. It's not about behavior on the outside. It's about an inward transformation. And that inward transformation does lead to outward behavior, but it's an inward transformation that is important, not not conforming to external uh, behavior. And the inward transformation comes about when we surrender our lives to Jesus as king. And when we do that, we will produce good fruit. We will do what Jesus calls the will of the Father. And then Jesus says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now, Jesus is referring here to the day, what's called the day of judgment, when Jesus comes to rule and reign, and all those throughout history will be gathered before him, and those who've accepted him will go on into eternal life, and those who've rejected him will go on into what the Bible calls hell, a place of eternal punishment. And Jesus says there'll be many people, not just some, but many, this is the word of Jesus, many people on that day who Jesus will reject because despite looking and behaving as though they were Christians, they weren't. That is really sobering, isn't it? Despite looking and behaving as if they were Christians, in reality they were not. There'll be people who have been involved in all sorts of miraculous things and yet have never really trusted in Jesus. They are false, fakes. Not everybody who claims to be a Christian actually is. Not everyone who thinks they're a Christian actually is. The real test is whether they are obedient to Jesus in their lives, those who do the will of the Father in heaven. 
That is the real test. By their fruit, you will know them, Jesus says. And in this verse, Jesus talks about people who not only claim to be Christians, but they'd actually been involved in miraculous things in church life. They've been involved in uh, driving out demons and miracles, and yet they were fakes. You know, just because somebody is involved in the miraculous, things like speaking in tongues or prophesying or healing or casting out demons, just because they're doing those things, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are actually Christians or what they are doing is necessarily of God or from God. Just because we see something impressive happen doesn't actually mean it is of God or that they are from God. And there's two lessons for us in this. Firstly, we need to be on our guard and not simply accept everything we see or experience without question. We mustn't be naive and just assume, well, because this has happened in a, in a church, therefore it's from God. Jesus says that's not the case. It's entirely possible to be speaking in tongues and yet not be a Christian. It's entirely possible to be involved in casting out demons and not be a Christian. I've seen this happen. Just because people do the miraculous or are involved in the miraculous does not mean necessarily that that what they do is of God and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're Christians. We mustn't be naive and simply accept everything that somebody proclaiming to be a Christian says or doing. We mustn't be naive and simply accept everything that happens in a church. We need to test and assess and examine things against what the Bible teaches. Is this biblical? Is what this person is saying and doing biblical? And not to go on a witch hunt, that's not what Jesus is talking about here, where we start heresy hunting and minutely examining everything that people say. But we need to be alert. We need to assess and test and examine what is said and done. And the second lesson is this, is that we need to test ourselves and make sure that we are truly saved. We need to test ourselves and make sure that we are truly saved. Wouldn't it be terrible if I was deceiving myself and I thought that I was a Christian when I wasn't? The greatest deception that there could ever be, that I thought I was a Christian and yet I wasn't. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians, it's on your outline, we've lost the screen for some reason, but Paul says this, it's on your outline in 2 Corinthians, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do not... Do you not realize that Christ is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? So we should examine and test ourselves to see if we have truly trusted in Jesus. Because if we've truly trusted in Jesus, then we will be producing good fruit. Because Christ will be in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if Christ is in us, then we will be different people. Our lives will be different and we will be changed. Doesn't mean that we'll be perfect. Doesn't mean that we'll never sin. But if there's no change, if there's no difference in us, then we need to ask ourselves, have I truly been saved? Or am I deceiving myself? And this isn't just about outward conformity, looking the part, saying the right things, coming to church, you know, dressing the right way, saying the right things, and all that kind of outward behavior. It's about having a radical heart transformation of encountering Jesus and surrendering to him as Lord. This is what Jesus has been saying right the way throughout the Sermon on the Mount. Being a Christian isn't about doing and saying the right things. It's not about ticking boxes. It's about a relationship with God that changes us and transforms us right to the very core of our being. And if that has happened, then we will be different. We will be changed to some degree or other. We're not all going to be 
uh, like Jesus, but there will be some degree of change in us. There will be some fruit. There has to be. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Some of us will grow faster than others. Some of us will mature more than others. But if there's no fruit, we have to ask ourselves, have I really known, do I really understand what it is to be in relationship with Jesus? We will produce good fruit. In other words, we will live the kind of lives that Jesus wants us to live, lives that look like Jesus. Now, I don't want you all to be going home thinking, am I a Christian this morning? Am I not a Christian? That's not what this is about. But it is about asking that genuine question, has there been a change in my life? Am I a different person to the one I was before I professed to be a Christian? If, I'm, if there's no change, if there's no difference, we need to ask ourselves, have I really understood what it means to be a believer in Jesus? If there's some change, if there's some fruit, that's great. Pray for more fruit. Keep following Jesus. So we need to be careful. We need to test and assess what other people say and do, especially when they're in church leadership, especially when they're teaching. We need to be really careful that we are not misled that we're not deceived by people claiming to be something that they're not. And we need to guard and protect ourselves and make sure that we know the truth of the Bible so that we can spot what is false. We need to make sure that we, that, that, that we don't mislead other people, especially if we're teaching others or if we're in some kind of position of influence and leadership in local church. And arguably, and most important of all, we need to test and examine ourselves. Make sure that we are truly saved, that we haven't been deceiving ourselves, that we're not deceiving others, that we are really in the faith and that Christ is in us. Let's pray. Father, we're we're sobered by the fact that there might be people who mislead us who are false, that there will be those your word teaches clearly that will arise from within churches and will come from without churches outside and will seek to attack the sheep. We pray that you'd give us uh, a real sense of awareness, help us to study your word, help us to be people who correctly handle the word of truth so that we are able to test and assess what is said. We pray, Lord, that each one of us would be those who are genuinely in relationship with you. Help us, we pray, to bear good fruit. Help us, Lord, to fan the flames within us of the Holy Spirit's presence, that we might bear good fruit, that we might live on that narrow way, that we might teach the narrow way and live it and be those who authentically follow the Lord Jesus. Help us not to mislead others inadvertently or wrongly. Help us to be those who correctly handle your word. And help us as a church, Father, may we be a church where the word of God is taught humbly but correctly, that we might faithfully represent the truth of your word, we pray. So bless us, help us, we pray. May we be those who genuinely know you and love you and know that wonderful blessing and experience of being in relationship with you that we might know that we are those that are adopted by you, that are in relationship with you, that we are who you say we are, which is your children. We thank you for your love. We pray that we will live it out. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.